This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Crest. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Joseph Anthony, you recently came back from a week out in Denver in uh, Mile High mm-hmm. Country, contributing to the work That's of right. this amazing parish or amazing parish. Uh, how was it? How you doing? How are things? Oh, it, it was fantastic. I was I was living my best life. Um, I was I, I collaborate with Amazing Parish. I contract with them to oversee the liturgies at all of their conferences. And I've been doing this for the last five or six years. Um, I've really gotten to know that organization well, know that staff well, and I really enjoy working with them. Um, but man, I love being in that headspace. Once you like slap a radio headset on me and like a production co- communication pack on me, like I, I just love being in that headspace. I'm calling shots, calling camera angles, m- moving con celebrants around. It's, it's a love it all for the glory of the Lord, by the way, all exactly. for his sacraments and helping others to pray well in the liturgical <laughs> setting in a weird space, right? You roll into a conference center, a ballroom. And then you're like, how am I going to make this sacred? Got you covered. I'll, I'll, I'll help and assist in that. But um, I mean, outside of that, Amazing Parish is an organization uh, founded by Pat Lencioni, who helps um, pastors in their leadership team to be a healthy organization out of which they can invite others to encounter Jesus Christ, to evangelize. And I love that mission. I love all the content that Pat um, gives. Um, it was just a really, really beautiful uh, a week. It was something that I needed as our campus ministry staff expands and to be reminded how that I need to lead my staff in uh, structure, um, our meetings and our engagement to help others um, encounter the Lord. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the organization and um, I had a great, great week in Denver. Boom. That's awesome, man. I'm getting pumped just hearing you be pumped. Although... There is no version of my best life that involves me wearing a headset. Um, so, yeah, I love that it's part of yours because the body of Christ and the yeah. foot does not begrudge the eye that it cannot see, <sighs> nor the hand begrudge the heart that it does mm-hmm. not circulate blood. St. Paul with various emendations on account of the fact that I can't remember what it actually says. But, yeah, cheers to you. Um Let's see. Well, also presently... in the body of Christ, there's also armpits and smelly parts. So that also <laughs> is like a reality too. <laughs> That's true. And I'll be there undoubtedly, especially if it involves tent camping. So here at the yeah. S- yeah, smelly armpit of the body of Christ, there I will be <laughs> unwashed. Yeah, I never mind. Um, I recently quoted, so Father Th- Thomas Joseph White, who is a friar of our province, is oft cited um, with this small change to a quote made famous by St. Therese of Lisieux, he'll often say, they're at the heart of the church, I will answer email, um, which is, <laughs> it's the little way, it's the little way become literaler, lit, lit, never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just love it. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, I think that we should be in a kind of hearty competition for occupying the most humble places in the body of Christ, insofar as our exaltation, according to St. Therese, is dependent upon just such an activity. So, yeah, it's awesome. This is us. Okay. Um, this is us. Yeah, I love it. Speaking of the body of Christ, in this episode, mm-hmm. we thought that we would talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So people hear about the Holy Spirit, and they think, cool, person of the most blessed trinity, we celebrate Pentecost, sometimes we wear red, things are wild. All right? But we 
have a peculiar appreciation for the Holy Spirit on account of the fact that we went to Holy Spirit University, which is to say Franciscan University of Steubenville. So, uh, Father Joseph Anthony, let's begin this episode by singing the song of our heart's love. Let's, yeah, just, just hit me a little bit with your experience at Steubenville and uh, where that puts you on the Holy Spirit spectrum. I... <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit spectrum. I love that idea. Um, yeah. Man, I, I first met the Holy Spirit in a radical encounter when I was in high school, having no concept of what the Holy Spirit was. So like my real first encounter with God was like deep dive into the charismatic pool of whoopiness. And so, um, but then I kind of had this like weird response back to that to like react and say, no, never mind. It's super emotional and I'm not going to engage in that. And then I ended up at Steubenville where I'm like super conflicted because I'm meeting a lot of my peers who are super, very charismatic, but also very authentic in their prayer. And I thought like, oh, this is just a bunch of emotionalism, but that's not necessarily what I encountered in my classmates and in the dorms. And I could see that there was an authenticity there. So that was like a real beautiful uh, way to break down these barriers and misconceived notions that the Holy Spirit, whether it's in the gifts of tongues or, you know, um, any of the charismatic gifts, uh, that he, the Holy Spirit does have a beautiful movement and desire and that he can uh, bring those gifts out in a communal fashion uh, with each other and that it's not just this very kind of behind closed doors, um, I don't know, personal, isolated, weird thing, but like even in the communal prayer, uh, it being a charismatic led by the Holy Spirit uh, it was a deep encounter importance to me. Yeah, I think my experience at Steubenville was similar in many respects. So I went in somewhat sympathetic, somewhat unsympathetic to the movements of the Holy Spirit as they often transpire on campus. Um, so in my own family life, I think my mother was baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, in the context of the Word of God community in Ann Arbor as a teenager. Uh, mm -hmm. So she was always the kind of charismatic powerhouse in the family. And my sisters both went to Steubenville. And when I would visit them on campus, we would often go to like festivals of praise. So I had some experience and I had some sympathetic experience. But then when I went to a couple of Steubenville conferences, I think that, you know, just being a, a judgmental punk kid, I observed some people doing things which I didn't think were genuine or I didn't think were actually sincere manifestations of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so then like I had some unsympathetic vibes going on. So when I showed up at campus, I was a little bit of a conflicted humbug. Uh, but, but I think gradually the culture of the campus, not unlike the experience that you described, uh, convinced me as to, you know, like the truth, the goodness, the beauty of a life lived in the Holy Spirit um, in, in a variety of ways. Right. And I think that we're going to go into those variety of ways because when people say gifts of the Holy spirit, they will often mean different things. Or when people say life in the spirit, they will often mean different things. So we thought that in this episode, we could talk about the Holy spirit and his gifts in the context of the life of grace. So let's, let's start mm -hmm. there. Let's start with grace, which is a, an off-sided theme on this podcast, but one that we cannot repeat enough. So father Joseph Anthony, when we're thinking about the life of grace, where do we start or what principles do we adduce first? Grace is always going to be the very life of God himself given as a free gift to us, his image and likeness. Um, and so when we talk about grace, then we have to talk about it as being this interior union with God himself. It's his life being poured out. It's his life that is drawing us into a, a sanctification of our kind of fallen nature. 
And so we do carry a human nature, that which has been fallen and wounded by sin, um, both original and actual sin. And grace is that which returns us back to our kind of original relationship, our baptismal relationship with the Father. But he does that by sending his life, his very life into us. And so when we talk about grace, this is obviously the, when you take another kind of step back, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Who has been sent by the Father and the Son to draw us into a deeper union with himself. So grace then becomes this life of the Spirit, right? Life of the Spirit operating within us to draw us into a union with God himself. Yeah, and, and when we talk about grace, we often talk about two peculiar effects of grace. So mm -hmm. after the fall, we'll sometimes refer to man as both wounded in his nature and despoiled of his gifts. And when grace comes into a person's life, it heals that wounded nature and that it enriches that despoilation. Despoilation, is that even a word? Regardless. Um, so we'll talk about, yeah. bingo, we'll talk about, we'll talk about grace as both healing and elevating. All right. So, so grace is undoing the work of sin, right? Reconstituting us as sons and daughters of God. And it's also growing in us this divine life, which comes into a variety of expressions or manifestations, which is what we're going to begin to talk about here. So then when we talk about grace, we often make the distinction between sanctifying grace and then not necessarily sanctifying graces or gratuitous graces. You'll sometimes hear them called or graces freely given. So what's, what's like, um, what's distinctive about sanctifying grace? How do we identify sanctifying grace? Well, sanctifying grace is that grace, which is healing. Like as you were mentioning, right? The, the wounds of, of it, like it's that healing grace that reestablishes us, um, in, in, and draws us into that deeper union. So sanctifying grace is what that which we draws us into salvation, draws us into the the perfect union with God. And it's given um, primarily, you know, in our, in our sacramental engagement with the Lord via the sacraments that he gives us sanctifying grace to draw us into that union with him there. Um, the the non-sanctifying grace or the gratuitous graces, right, are those graces that help us to, um, how, did, how did you say, um, um, grow in the, in the virtuous life, grow in that, um, you use another phrase that my blind mind's just blanking on right now, but it's those non-sanctifying graces that help to, um, kind of strengthen everything from that point on. Yeah. So I think when, so like the language that St. Thomas uses is as a general category, he refers to grace as gratia gratis data, right? So it's grace freely given. So all grace is freely given by God. Mm -hmm. But then within that general category, he specifies sanctifying grace as gratia gratum faciens, right? So grace, sanctifying grace, makes us pleasing to God. So contrary to certain Protestant reformers, we as Catholics believe that grace has a genuine interior effect, right? So like you said, it heals, mm -hmm. it grows, all right? It makes us to be sons and daughters of God, you know, like adopted members of the divine family in a kind of extended metaphorical sense, right? But nonetheless, a real sense. So it, it, it works an interior effect. It has a change in our lives and it makes us good. Whereas these gratuitous graces, these graces freely given, which aren't further specified as thereby making us pleasing, right? They give us certain powers, like you said, for activity. Um, so they're the types of graces which can be deployed in this, that, or the other operation, but they don't necessarily make us good. They don't make us pleasing to God. So having made this distinction then, we're in a good place to describe different senses in which people mean gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, mm -hmm. sometimes they're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which come with sanctifying grace, 
And sometimes they're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, which aren't necessarily sanctifying, right? Which are another consideration wholly and entirely. So insofar as we usually put the stress on those things which are sanctifying because, you know, they make us good, they make us holy, and therefore they're more important. Um, let's start with those. Let's start with those gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are When you're describing these, you know, in the context of an RCIA class or in catechesis with your students at, um, you know, at UVA, what are, what are the main points that you highlight when talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I mean, like you were saying, these are the the standard list of gifts of the Holy Spirit that we talk about um, with respect to like confirmation. And and this is where I always get back to like connecting the sanctifying grace into the sacramental economy um, in that confirmation that we focus on talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, in that is the completion or of, of the, the, yeah, the completion of what began in us at our baptism and, and how important that is. So seeing that these gifts, um, you, you know, uh, what is it? Fear of the Lord, wisdom, uh, counsel. I, I, once again, my mind's blanking on the rest of them. You're because I'm fortitude, human piety, fortitude, knowledge, yeah. and understanding. Yeah. So those are going to be connected as the completion of what has begun in us in our baptism and drawing us into this deeper healing, deeper unity of being that son or daughter of God, being that adopted child of God, so that our sacramental sanctifying graces once again continually take us back to that baptismal identity of itself making us good, of itself, right? The, the sacraments of himself make us united to the household of God in becoming children of God, which then draws us into our, our perfection and our goodness of itself. So one thing that I love to draw out when describing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is just by way of extension of the thought that you just, uh, you just described, is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit kind of issue from the life of sanctifying grace and that they get into all the different nooks and crannies of our spiritual lives. So mm -hmm. grace brings with it virtues, gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, beatitudes, etc., right? Um, and virtues are these particular habits of mind and heart which empower us to act well, but they empower us to act well in a human way. So even if they mm -hmm. are gifts that come from mm -hmm. God directly, they're just poured into our hearts by a sovereign gift, um, right? We're talking about faith, hope, charity. We're talking about prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, etc., and all that comes with it, right? When we use those gifts, we're using them in a human way. Whereas mm -hmm. with these gifts of the Holy Spirit, they come to us in such a way that they make us to act in a divine way, all right? So they're like big satellite dishes, which open us up to wavelengths on which wavelengths, you know, like the Holy Spirit transmits that you can't otherwise get access to. So you just start picking up channels that you just never knew existed because <laughs> this work of the Holy Spirit in your interior life gives you a sensitivity to them. And so mm -hmm. following St. Augustine, St. Thomas will talk about how these gifts of the Holy Spirit actually perfect the work of the virtues and that they make us more docile to God. They make us more receptive to God, etc. So like he'll talk about, all right, faith, cool, right? Faith is perfected further by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are yeah, like understanding and knowledge. And then I'll talk about mm -hmm. hope is perfected by fear of the Lord and charity is perfected by wisdom and prudence is perfected by counsel and justice is perfected by piety and fortitude by fortitude. You can get into that later. Actually, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> and then no. how temperance is perfected by a different sense of fear of the Lord. So you have this, this idea that the life of grace is articulated, right? It's wise. Mm -hmm. It's all spun out by God. So as to give us one, like to fill us in every nook and cranny of our spiritual lives with receptivity or openness to the divine gift. 
but also to equip us for activity, to equip us for action so that we're able to kind of like fire on all cylinders or operate in all registers and be genuine virtuosos of that spiritual life. So this gets me super pumped. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love I love how you're saying that, like the difference between being able to receive grace and to do that in a uniquely human manner versus then actually acting in a, you know, in, in a divine manner, being elevated into to that life of God himself that we talked about. And um, what was it? I read a book, um, Abba Father by Bonaventure Paraquin. And he has this beautiful chapter on the Trinity and then goes a little further and has a beautiful uh, chapter on the Holy Spirit. But he talks about like how the, the entire mission what the Holy Spirit does is takes the individual in order to unite them to the second person of the Trinity, the Son. And that's his work is to unite the second person of the Trinity to that individual. And in doing so, that person now shares the vision and the action of the second person of the Trinity, but shares the vision of re being received um, by the Father, and so receiving the gaze of the Father and looking upon the Father. And so you can see how then the Trinity is always going to be oriented, and then how we as a creature is are issued into that life of the Trinity through the work of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. like that, like you were saying, it's, it's drawing us into that activity of actually acting in a divine manner because of the, the Holy Spirit in his gifts introducing us in union with the second person of Trinity, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, those, those gifts of the Holy Spirit that are described for us uh, in explicit terms in Isaiah 11, verses 2 through 3, and they're described the spirit about, like, they're the spirit of the Lord that rests upon the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So they're the spirit uh, of Messiahship, right? So they, mm, they make yes. us like our Lord Jesus Christ on whom the Spirit rests. Because when you think about this in terms of Trinitarian theology, okay, you got the processions in the, in the divine uh -huh. life, and the processions are the kind of template or pattern for the missions, right? So the, the persons of the Most Blessed Trinity are sent to us in our interior life and in visible form, right? We, we can think about the visible form most easily because it's like, ah, yeah, the incarnation, cheers. And then with the Holy Spirit, it's like, okay, the descent of the dove at the okay. baptism, the enveloping cloud at the transfiguration, the breath in the upper room of John 20, and, and then the tongues of fire in Acts 2 at the, at the you know, like the event of Pentecost. Um, but but these visible processions, um, you know, like temporal processions, these visible missions of the divine persons, they signal invisible missions. So that the Son is sent to us by the Father as the as the very author of sanctification, and then the Spirit is given as the very gift of sanctification. But the gift refers us back to the author. All right. So the Son himself but, receives a mission of the Spirit, and our receiving the mission of the Spirit kind of brings us back into that what would you call it? Circulation, as it were, of the divine mm -hmm. missions themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we're, we're getting caught up in this movement of the divine persons as they are sent forth into creation to draw creation back. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a big part of that movement, which is awesome. Oh, I love it. I do. Like, as you're talking, I'm just like getting so jacked up right now. Like, <laughs> it's just like, keep it going. Yeah, let's go. That's Holy good. Spirit, come on down. Let the fire That's fall. Right. Let that Bingo. fire fall. <laughs> Um, so while we're thinking about books, so Fa Father Joseph Anthony mentioned uh, Bonaventure Paraquin's Abba Father. I'm also thinking about mm -hmm. um, Archbishop Martinez's book, The Sanctifier, which is a really beautiful meditation Love on the it. gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then the classic yes. text in like the Thomistic tradition is by John of St. Thomas, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which is more for the nerds among you who are really in, you know, kind of like invested in a deep dive. But one of the more beautiful images comparing the virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is found in that book. And it helps us to understand better the sense of, you know, human mode and divine mode. So he says, when we operate by the virtues, we are, as it were, like a boatsman pulling at the oars. 
But when we operate by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's as if we hoist the sail and are carried along or carried aloft by a divine breath. So that's a good way, I think, to summarize this particular vantage on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which come with sanctifying grace and which are expressed for us in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 to 3. All right, let's shift gears now to talk then about the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are sometimes called the charismatic gifts, right? Or the, the gifts freely given, the gratuitous graces. These are enunciated for us in 1 Corinthians 12. What are some of the first thoughts that you have when we turn our gaze to these gifts of the Holy Spirit? Um, when we turn our, when our, turn our gaze to these gifts, um, these are very dramatic gifts, right? They're, they're, they're kind of very shocking and, and can throw you off your course a little bit and not to be afraid of that, but that these are not um, of themselves witnesses of holiness. These are not of themselves like um, the signpost in that we should strive for the sanctifying grace and the sanctifying gifts of the Holy Spirit at all times, but to allow the Lord to give freely and to create a disposition within ourselves to receive whatever gifts, charismatic gifts that the Lord desires for us. And I, I think that there is, and I like, I know this from going to Steubenville that I had this like kind of negative reaction and I wanted to push the charismatic gifts out of my life because they seemed too dramatic. And I didn't want to do that And that holiness and devotion and interior life was kind of stoic and solemn. And these gifts are not solemn in any sense. And so I wanted to push them away, but I wasn't creating this kind of uh, disposition of reception and actually asking the Lord if he, if he desires any charismatic gifts to give freely and I would receive freely in, in that way. Um, so these kind of charismatic gifts, I think can have this like weird, um, I don't know, weird persona around them, weird uh, arena around them. But sometimes we we need to cut through that and say like, you know, if the Lord desires to give these gifts, he's given them to us throughout the generations of the church. And we being involved in the mystical body uh, in this unique instance and unique time that we too should be able to receive uh, the charismatic gifts in the Lord, in the way the Lord desires for us. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you, you lay down some great principles and it helps us to kind of focus our attention on what's essential and then what's non-essential. So when St. Thomas, for instance, treats these graces, he does so in the context of the secunda secunda, the second part of the second part. And he's just gone through this whole treatise treating, you know, the principal, you know, theological virtues and then the cardinal virtues. So the principal virtues, which constitute the specific principles of our own spiritual kind of amelioration or growth. And then he says, now we're going to pass to a consideration of certain things which only pertain to some. He says, the virtues pertain mm -hmm. to all, charismatic mm -hmm. graces, you know, these charismatic gifts, they pertain to some. And then he goes on to describe after those things like the contemplative life and the active life and then particular states of perfection. So he's saying like, these are just for some people. It's a way in which God upbuilds the church. So that helps to focus our gaze. Like these gifts are for the edification of the members of the body. They're for the upbuilding of the church. They're meant to testify to the fact that something wild is going on here. And so <laughs> it merits a further look. All right. Uh, so for those who are without, and then for those who are within, it's for, you know, it's for your upbuilding, um, right? It's for your consolation. It's for your exhortation. It's for your advocacy. You know, think about all the different ways in which the Holy mm -hmm, Spirit is mm -hmm. referred to are all the different senses of the paraclete. So then just kind of getting down to brass tacks, when we talk about, you know, first Corinthians 12, we're talking about the organization of worship in the life of the body of the church of Corinth and St. You know, St. Paul is concerned that there be a certain order restored because things have gotten a little bit unruly. And I think that's like, that's something that we can rejoice in, that 
that when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, things won't necessarily look neat and tidy. All right. They could even look a little <laughs> bit unruly to onlookers. Like people peering in from the lattice will be like, what in the world is going on there? Which shakes up for us our expectation of what it means to be Christian. It's not to have your mm -hmm. hands folded in your lap as you stare, you know, like directly in front of you at a 90 degree angle from the perpendicular surface at which, you know, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like the, the point of it is to be fully alive. And sometimes mm -hmm. fully alive is going to scare those with whom you live. Like I think about the way that G.K. Chesterton describes St. Francis of Assisi. He says he's, he looks like a man starved to his crazy bones, but with like the eyes of a witness, eyes wildly alive. Um, so yeah, being at Steubenville, you saw people exercising the gift of tongues or discernment of tongues or prophecy or word of wisdom or word of knowledge or mighty deeds or, you know, like a variety of other things. And it's kind of, it's kind of wild, but I think that our lives are meant for such wildness. Um, yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think about that? No, that, that is such a beautiful thing is to remind us like that. Yeah. We've moved on from that, which is necessary for all of us and that, which has been given to some. And, um, I think that we maybe because of our own kind of uncomfortability with the spirit in these ways already cut the Lord out and make it render him, um, incapable of doing this within us. So to, not be afraid to ask and invite the Lord to lead us and to give his gifts, whatever he desires, you know, which ones he desires for some of us or not necessarily for others, but to be ready to receive that, which he does desire for us. Um, and it can lead us into some beautiful, wonderful places, uh, within the spiritual life in a deeper intimacy, but also can edify each other. And that is something we should never be afraid to do. Yeah. And I think that that helps to orient, you know, our desire and also our practice. So if you find yourself with an occasion to participate in a charismatic prayer group or to, you know, like participate in charismatic prayer more broadly, it's good, you know, to want to exercise the gifts. And mind you, is there going to be psychological warfare that you visit upon yourself because you're like, is this real? Is this not real? Am I well motivated? Am I poorly motivated? Yeah, that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I would say just insofar as you're capable, just, just see those thoughts coming and then watch them pass the way that St. Teresa of Avila describes how we engage with distractions in prayer. It's like, don't uh, engage with them too much because if you do that, you're going to be playing mental gymnastics until the cows come home. I would just simply say like, it's fine, you know, to want to exercise those gifts and you can take refuge in the recognition that it's fine to want to exercise those gifts, whether you get them, whether you don't get them, it's not a reflection on how good or bad you are as a human person. It's a reflection on, you know, like the deep wisdom of God who moves mm -hmm. in his church in a way that to us sometimes seems wholly inscrutable, right? Because he doesn't have to render us an account. Job 38, he shows up <laughs> in the whirlwind and he just asks us a ton of questions because we're like, justify <laughs> yourself. And then he comes back and he's like, you justify yourself, sweetheart, okay? You trust that I am true, that I am good, that I am beautiful. I'll take care of the rest. But when I take care of it, it isn't going to look like me taking care. It's going to be brutal, but you'll grow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is that that is where it's at right there. And that's, I think that's where the, the kind of like untidiness and wildness comes from. And like it's such a it's a wild trip. But like to not be afraid to be led by the spirit and, and say like, OK, come Holy Spirit. Like, what do I actually mean when I say invite the Holy Spirit here? But at the same time, is he not already here? So let's just start thanking him and thank the Holy Spirit and praising him in this in this place. Um, but yeah, it's it is it is wild in that sense. <laughs> Boom. All right, man. Well, that's just a little a little testimony to our experience of the Holy Spirit, uh, both before, during and after college. Right. The Holy Spirit remains a person of the most blessed Trinity. He remains at work in the life of the church, not 
as one separate from father and son, but is always present with father and son. You think about the fact that we say like, you know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the most holy trinity in it, like interchangeably. There's a reason for that because wherever one person of the trinity is, there are the other Ooh. two. So whatever they do in creation, right. whatever work of sanctification they accomplish, they do as father, son, and Holy Spirit. So when we welcome the Holy Spirit, we welcome God. And when we welcome God, we become the saints whom he calls us, whom he destines us to be. So boom, that's, uh, that's our prayer for you is that you become just so, so, such a saint. But, you know, as they say in German, which I know seven words of, kein Stress, you know, <laughs> like don't, don't stress about it. All right. The Lord will do what he does. It's for us simply to be open and don't even overcomplicate what it means to be open. It's for him to make you open. Okay. So thanks again to all of our supporters. If you'd like to tithe to our work, please check us out at patreon.com slash godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review, all of which helps to get the word out, and hopefully people will be touched, will be moved, will be converted by the words they hear. Uh, and then visit godsplanning.org to shop our merchandise and then to get dates and information for upcoming retreats. Again, we have three retreats in July and August, and we're just about running out of time here for, uh, for signing up, for applying, for acceptances, and for attendance. So we hope to see you there, uh, but regardless of whether we do or don't, certainly know that our prayers are for you. We ask that you please pray for us and we will catch you next time on God's planning.